This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. Hello everyone, welcome to this Research in Practice podcast. I'm Katie Shorten, I'm a Research and Development Manager here at Research in Practice. I'm delighted to introduce Georgie today, who's going to talk about her experience as a parent carer and how storytelling has helped her experiences. So Georgie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you have used stories in relation to social care? Hi, yes, yeah, I'd love to. Um, I suppose I've sort of got two hats really. And one is um, as a theatre maker and um, a storyteller. And that's what I was doing for many years um, before I became a carer. Um, so both my sons were diagnosed with a um, a degenerative muscle wasting condition when they were quite small. And for the last 13 years, I've been mostly a carer for them. Um, it's quite a complex condition. So we've got lots of social care professionals and health and education uh, professionals involved. Um, and I know those two things might sound really different. The um, theatre staff and the carer staff. But um, what I found um, is that telling stories and even making theatre about uh, my experiences as a carer has really helped me to to process all the experiences that I've had um, and especially to sort of step back from them um, and uh, feel... Um, feel better about them or at least see what they are um, and it's given me really good perspective and it's definitely helped me to cope better um, I think especially telling stories about our own experience because as carers we often feel like our identity sort of disappears a bit and so it's a chance to sort of um, get back into yourself a bit and remember uh, all the things about your life and all the things that you want and aspire to. I think I've also found it um, sort of specifically in relation to to social care. It's been really useful um, as a tool for being able to to tell social care professionals um, and also tell other carers in a kind of sharing experience sort of way about specific um, difficulties that there are. There's a story that I tell in a um, show that I've made, um, which I call Glass of Water. Um, and basically um, what happened was uh, our social worker said it wasn't her fault. She's sort of, you know, as much a kind of inside um, a system that she's got to adhere to the rules of as, as anyone else. But um, she said, and this was four o'clock, she said, um, I need you to give some more evidence, written evidence of why your family need to go on this particular holiday, because then maybe I can talk to my line manager. She can talk to panel and maybe they can give you some funding. But I need you to write this evidence by 4.30. So at half an hour to do it. Um, and so I started typing away, trying to sort of throw something together. And then my son um, asked for a glass of water, which he can't get for himself. Um, and I found myself really reluctant to get him a glass of water, just such a simple thing, because I was so focused on doing this, writing this application. Um, and he said, he just said, Mum, I'm, I'm just really thirsty. And I just realised that 
if there was a kind of plan or a map of, of how his care and how our life should be, then he should really be at the centre of it. Um, I mean, they call that, you know, it's person-centred care, isn't it? He should be at the centre of it. And he'd somehow got sort of spun out to the edges of it, like a map I've been holding the wrong way up. And I just, um, I think that's a really, for, for me anyway, and, and other people um, um, have, have said they feel the same, is a good illustration of how sort of rules and, and policies and deadlines can spin us away from what's meant to be at the centre of things. And I think we all need to be reminded of that, um, not just uh, social care professionals, you know. Um, so, yeah, I suppose those are some of the ways that I've used stories in relation to social care. I did want to say something about the connection between the storytelling and being a carer, that there's been sort of from the beginning, because... I decided I wanted to be a storyteller and I spent about a year preparing to do my first public storytelling, which was, as it happened, The Three Little Pigs. Um, and I was planning on doing the first public performance at my friend's son's fourth birthday party. And that was going to be on Sunday, the 15th of February, 2009. And as it happened, Two days before that, on Friday, February the 13th, it would be a Friday the 13th, um, our oldest son was diagnosed with the condition that he has. And um, obviously that was a huge shock. And everybody said, oh, you know, don't tell this story at this party. You know, you really don't have to do it. And I don't really know why I did it. And I don't know sort of how I managed it. But I somehow managed to go to this party and tell this story a friend said that I, I turned up sort of looking like a, some kind of ghoul. Um, and then she said it was really striking that I just sort of stepped into this different, like into a different frame. Um, and I remember just the liberation of being able to just step out of what was happening to me and tell a different story. And then obviously afterwards, I kind of stepped back in and went into back into my ghoul state. Um but I think that experience of of even for a moment being able to feel completely different because of a story and being able to stand back from what's happening to you, um, it was it it was really striking. And I didn't sort of realise it at the time, but I think that's at the heart of what I would re really interested in doing, um, which is using story to to process what happens to us um, and step away and um, be able to see it in a bigger picture and sometimes have some relief from what's happening to us. And, you know, I'd really like to help other people to do the same thing. Um, and I've actually made, I so feel so strongly about this, I've made a whole show based around the three little pigs and my family's experiences of the last 13 years. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's a wonderful world, the sort of world of stories and telling about our experiences. Thanks, Georgie. When you were speaking, I was thinking, what will I say in response to what, what Georgie's just said? And I wrote down helping to get a different perspective um, a release from the immediacy of the situation and intensity of the situation that you might be in. Um, 
kind of and a relief of being able to see things differently um, which enables you and supports you to make sense of what might be happening so and it's funny because then when you summarized what you were saying you used those exact words so um, I suppose does that sound familiar in terms of the work you've done with other parent carers with storytelling that, that as well as this you having had this experience yourself other people other parent carers other carers have kind of had a similar experience when you've done storytelling with them Yes, yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, I guess the main project that I've done was, uh, it was called Lockdown Cinderella, and it was a storytelling project that I did with other carers in my community. Um, and it was funded by Arts at the Old Fire Station in Oxford as part of their, their this project called um, Lights Up. Um, and they so they funded me to run these workshops with other carers and we told each other our stories about lockdown number one. This was kind of between in that sort of period of time between lockdown number one and lockdown number two, and we were allowed to get together a little bit. Um, and uh, some people um, turned those stories, their own stories um, about what happened to them in lockdown into fairy tales. Um, and I, I really got this idea from um, Roy Galore, who is as the storytelling teachers that I've studied with most. Um, and what you do is um, you use the frame of a fairy tale, which we all know fairy tales, so it's instantly, you know, familiar with all of us. Um, so, for example, you know, often in a fairy tale, a hero or a heroine goes off on a quest um, for something, and on the way they meet various obstacles or adversaries and they also uh, find friends and allies who help them overcome those obstacles and then hopefully usually at the end they fulfill their quest and if you just take that frame and put it on almost any experience even if it's a very small one um, you find that it does somehow sort of fit into that anything that we do um, and then if you also um, use um, sort of substitutes in your story, um, so your boss, if it's a story about your horrible boss or difficult line manager, perhaps, <laughs> um, you could turn them into a dragon in the story and they could be hoarding some gold, which is some, um, I don't know, uh, some information that uh, needs to be given out to everyone um and you use you know objects as like you know treasure giants princes princesses again all characters that we all recognize um and this i i was kind of amazed because it was the first time i'd really done it i was amazed how well it worked um and there was one participant in particular who um, had a, you know, a difficult experience in the first lockdown um, of, um, that was quite isolating and very intense. Um, and she told a story about um, Little Bear, who, uh, with, the cave, with the stone rolled in front of the cave entrance because of the killer bees outside, was inside with all the other bears, um, and one night, unfortunately, got into the cupboard where the honey was and then smeared honey all over everywhere so mummy bear woke up to find 
the entire cave covered in holly. Um, and this participant said that just telling the story, knowing that it was going to be heard by people watching the video um, and just having the opportunity to to put her story in a different context, or put a difficult experience in a different context, made her um, made it gave her a sense of that that perspective on what had happened to her, and she was able to sort of stand back and and really see what had happened, and feel that she had processed that experience. And there was another participant in that project, um, Lockdown Cinderella, who actually found that the difficulty that she was telling the story about, the difficulty itself was actually resolved in the act of her telling a story about it, because it gave her and the other person who the story was about some perspective on it, and they understood kind of what the problem was and it solved it. So I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not saying that could happen all the time in every circumstance, but um, it was amazing how it did happen. And it, it was really the, the fairy tales that did it, I think, magical, as you, as you might expect. Amazing. Thanks, Georgie. I think that section of this podcast has really articulated why it's important for carers to tell their story for their own, um, for their own experience and to support them through what's happening to them but also to help other people ex ex explore and understand what might be happening as well so one of the things that we've talked about before that i'm really uh interested to talk about and hear about again is about how practitioners can use their stories to build relationships um in with people that they're working with um and to kind of of course, professional boundaries are in play and there's a sense of kind of how do we maintain those boundaries within the conversations that we have. But what I've heard from you is that stories sharing a bit of yourself within a conversation as a practitioner can be really helpful. So what do you have to say about that? Um, yes, I my. One of my favourite interactions that I've had with any of the professionals um, that um, my sons uh, you know, have been and I have been working with over the last years is um, it sounds really ridiculous and it's a tiny thing. But I think it shows that just even the tiniest personal anecdote and it doesn't have to, you know, as you say, it's all within you know, respectful boundaries and sensible boundaries. But um, just the tiniest thing can just soften the sort of hierarchy that there can be in, in relationships between uh, us, our families and professionals or practitioners. Um, so we have a, a housing OT called Michael, um, who's really nice. And he came around one day and he was, I think he was measuring my son's bed because he possibly needed a, a bigger profile in bed because he'd grown. And he reached into his hand, into his, sorry, he reached into his bag for a tape measure and he uh, brought out a toothbrush 
And he said, oh, that probably does seem a bit weird um, that I've got a toothbrush in my bag. And then he explained about um, how that he was having to get up really early in the morning for for work and he wasn't really having time to clean his teeth. And also he was going to the gym before work. um, And so he had to clean his teeth after he'd been to the gym because there wasn't time at home. Um, And I know, you know, it's not war and peace. (laughs) It's not like a huge story. But just that sort of opening of a a personal door just made me feel completely differently um, about how I could relate to him. Um, I was much more open with him and I felt that I could. um, I wasn't untrusting before, but I just felt much more trusting and um, more inclined to to tell him sort of more effectively how things were. Um, and I think we um, service users or patients or um, people who, who use um, social care services often are repeatedly asked to kind of spill the emotional beans and tell the story and say how it is. And I think if just occasionally um, one of the social care professionals or other professionals can just give a tiny bit of themselves, then it just makes it much easier not to be this kind of um, constant spiller outer of um, of stuff. Um, and it sort of rebalances that relationship because sometimes it feels a bit like professionals and practitioners are like sort of angels who like come down out of the sky and they have no context and they're just these sort of glorious perfect beings who have need of nothing and you're just this sort of groveling um kind of uh needy being um who is uh must sort of have things all the time um it's not necessarily that that's what that's there's something that people do that make you feel like that it's just the the context um and so that just sort of rebalances the relationship because any relationship's about trust and obviously, um, trust is really is 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 not going to happen if the the hierarchy is sort of too rigid because the other person just feels too far away. Thank you, Georgie. That's what what a wonderful story and kind of really reflecting on how bringing a little bit of yourself as a practitioner can support the the rapport relationship, the openness of um, conversations and interactions that they might be having. And just in terms of your anecdote about social care practitioners potentially being angels coming down from the sky, you know, I I would invite any practitioners listening to this to uh, wonder whether or not that is how you feel. Is that how you feel when you're going into a conversation with someone that you're supporting and working with um, and reflecting on how you might be seen because if you're not if you're not feeling like that but you might be being seen like that just have a think about what what can you bring what you're comfortable bringing into a conversation about yourself um, and maybe do a bit of prep work around those kind of conversations that you're having with people and that's interesting because just as you were talking I was thinking about how also, sometimes telling stories about yourself or about things that have happened, it helps you to think about who you think you are 
who you think of yourself as being in that story. You know, I do you think of yourself as being the hero? Um, and how does the other person who you're relating to, do they actually see you as the villain or do they think you're the hero? And I think just telling those stories just helps us again to sort of step back and just think about who I am in this scenario and who the other person might see me as and that there might be a difference between those two things. Great. Thank you, Georgie. So we've talked a bit about why it's important for carers to tell their stories and the value of doing that. Um, and we've also talked about how practitioners can think about what stories they tell about themselves to develop that real humanness and human connection within their relationships. I wonder whether we can kind of finish off that circle with kind of in practice. Is there anything that practitioners could be looking for in conversations that they're having with people, which could be called, you know, people might be coming out for a purpose, practitioners might be there to do an assessment or to do a review, but in, in, in effect, what we're wanting people to have for conversations. And so is there anything you think practitioners could be alert to or be looking out for, thinking about in the stories, the anecdotes that people are, are talking to them about um, in, when they're doing this social care interaction? Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, every single thing that people say, you know, even casually in conversation, anything that someone tells you about their day is sort of like a little chip off a diamond. It's it's a complete diamond in itself and it and it can tell you um, a lot about all sorts of aspects of a person. And because uh, if I think about um, Michael, back to Michael and his toothbrush, I mean, you know, he was kind of telling me a lot of those, a lot of things in just telling me that, you know, he was maybe telling me um, that he was having to get up really early in the morning that was maybe making him tired, um, that it was sometimes difficult to remember everything and remember where everything was, which is completely natural. Um, and also maybe that, you know, fitness, physical fitness was something that he was really sort of trying to to work on or that was really important to him. Um, and I think, so I think just really good listening, which we could all, you know, develop probably, um, intelligent listening to what the person is saying um because they're probably telling you lots of things about you know what what's important to them and how they're feeling and what they might need and I think um that can be really useful just I mean with practical things like say you know you're you're trying to get some respite funding for that person because they're a carer and if you just say what do you want to do with your funding they might not be able to think because we're all sometimes find it difficult with direct questions about what we want. We don't know, but if the you've done some good listening around whatever the person's conversation was, you might, you know, have picked up on some things that were actually really important to them. Um, and it's, you know, and then you can sort of offer that back to those back, things back to the person and they can um, maybe, you know, it will be just the thing that they wouldn't have thought of. So, yeah, I think it's about really good listening um, and good listen. What people, the more 
people are listened to well, the more they will open up and say, you know, what's really um, what they really need and want to say. And then, you know, your relationships are more effective and then, you know, you can um, do your work even better. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Georgie. I think you have done a fantastic job of bringing together storytelling and social care. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they're two things that ordinarily will have been put together in, in our experiences, but I'm really looking forward to what people think about this podcast and also um, looking forward to hearing how we can develop uh, it, this into a workshop going forward if people are interested in learning more about storytelling and social care please keep an eye on the research and practice website so we've talked about the value of storytelling in social care um, and how important that is for carers in understanding what's happening to them and supporting them to achieve a different perspective we've talked about how important it is for practitioners to show a bit of themselves tell a bit of a story about yourself in the growth and development of those relationships and in conversation look out for and listen carefully to the stories that people are telling you in those conversations is there anything else that you want to say georgie um, as we finish off this podcast i think it's just that you know every everybody's the main character in the story of their life aren't they and um the more that we tell each other uh, stories um, anecdotes, the more we talk to each other, the more um, we're involving other people in our stories and making connections with each other. And I just think um, it's sort of like leaving a door a little bit open, you know, and if, if we all told each other uh, more stories and shared more about each other, um, who knows what would happen? Who knows how the world might um, open up and change? Brilliant. It has been brilliant to talk to you and hear about your experiences. And I'm looking forward to hear how the story unfolds. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks very much, Katie. Thanks for listening to this Research in Practice podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on Twitter. Tweet us at ResearchIP.